Welcome to the WEPC Discipleship Podcast, because the gospel changes everything. Welcome uh, to the next episode of the WPC Discipleship Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Gordon. And I'm Elliot. And here we are uh, getting ready to jump into Acts 3 through 4. That's right. Um, Sarah's on vacation. She's got her toes in the sand somewhere. uh, Yes. Uh, Very jealous about that. Uh, We do not have our toes in the sand. No. So uh, instead of... Instead of Sarah, we, um, we, uh, I was going to, I was going to say something really rude and mean, like we, we took a step down, but that, that's, that's mean. Why would I say that? Um, you know, we're just, uh, switching from Sarah to Gordon. Gordon's joining us this week. Yeah. Back in the saddle. Yes. Back in the I saddle, like as Elliot would say. You are back in the saddle. I, I, I use kind of a side saddle kind of guy, so I don't know. Side saddle. I just hang out. I'm just, I'm just or maybe, or ride. maybe like just like you know, without a saddle at all, like just kind of—is it bareback? Is that what it's called? What do, what do you call that? Yeah, bareback, bareback. Yeah, that's kind of what you're doing. <laughs> I like to, I like to ride English, uh, English style. Hmm. I don't know what that means. Not Western. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. I prefer <laughs> Western. This ed- this podcast is going is brought to you by <laughs> Phil Scott. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say trip, Triple S Ranch. Uh huh. Unbelievable. And we're all drinking our uh, breakfast this morning. It appears it's true. It's true. I have my coffee. Well, I've, I've I'm eating carrots, but coffee and carrots. Elliot's got his uh, bar of what was it? Apple and strawberries. Yeah, that's it. And, and some water. And some water. Right. And uh, I've got my kale smoothie. Yes, uh, we're we're super healthy, guys. Yeah, we're super healthy. Oh uh, yeah. Well, we should jump into it, shouldn't we? We yeah. should. Yeah, let's do this. We've been looking at Acts one, Acts two, and this next episode, we're actually going to look at two chapters together: Acts three and four together. Most of four. There's actually a little section of the end of four that we'll look at the following week, but we're looking at Acts three one through four. 31 and obviously that's a large chunk so we're not going to read the text we're just assuming that our intrepid listeners uh are doing their homework and they're reading the text before we get there um so i'm gonna ask a question that is really hard for 21st century american christians to answer so we're just going to jump straight into it when have you ever been persecuted for living or proclaiming truth about Jesus? Yeah, not like this. <laughs> not like this. <laughs> uh, never been run out of town or thrown in jail or Yeah, it is hard when you re- when you read acts, you know, like this because it's it feels very you know these things happen especially in other countries even today. Uh but for us here it's, you know, it's very hard to wrap my brain around somebody wanting to throw you in jail or cast you out for what you believe. I, I mean, I came close. To, I didn't experience this, but I, I came close to kind of seeing it when we, and I think I mentioned this a while back, but 
when the church went on its first missions trip to Ireland. This was back mm-hmm. in like, wow, I think this was 1996. They were like, yeah. it was huge. It was a massive group of people. It was like 15 people went on this trip. And Kevin Green led it. And we went over there. And it was a really interesting time over there because you had the the, the church was really starting to grow. In, and this was in this was in um, Ireland, um, not uh, Northern Ireland, and very different. But of course, Catholicism has a very much a, a hold there. And for people who became believers and became basically became Protestants, I mean, it was a huge. These people would lose their families; they would be like cast out from their families. People would not their their neighbors. I mean, it was it was a big deal. You would lose friends, and so these tight knit group of Christians in Ireland, it was very reminiscent of what you kind of read about in Acts, and that like these folks really stuck together because they kind of mm-hmm. had to. Um, mm-hmm. That family of God, the kingdom of God, really kind of plays out in those situations because, you, like in some cases, your own family has said, "Don't come back." Yeah. Um, it was yeah. it was very. It was it was interesting and hard because you heard some yeah. really hard stories too, um, yeah. but yeah, that's the closest I've seen it. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think for me it's to Gordon's point nothing like this. Uh, I think it's getting left out of things. Probably the persecution of of, of being left out or people sort of talking like I can't believe you believe that or. So, so very small yeah. slights, but obviously, you know, your feelings can get hurt when you're left out of things or, or, or you can feel, um, judged by somebody for, for what you believe or whatever. Um, so nothing to the extent of being thrown in jail, but probably small slights that stick in your crawl and things like that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I think that's, I I'm, I'm with you, Elliot. There are plenty of experience. I think even what, like maybe even 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I think if you ask the majority of Americans, is the church good for the country? You know, is the, does Christianity help? I think people, most people probably would say, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Generally. Um, I think if you ask that question now, I think most people would say, no, the church is uh, a hindrance. Uh, Christianity itself is, uh, is against, you know, whatever culturally is the main thing now, um, pick and choose whatever those things might be. Um, so I, I, I'm with you. I think the persecution is more of not physical, not being thrown in jail, not like our brothers and sisters, like in China, Mm -hmm. fastest growing church in the globe right now is in the middle of a country that is atheist. Um, as, wow, I, you know, I did not know that. Absolutely, it's yeah. A fa- fastest growing church. The fact that's you know, as much as we can tell from uh, stats, the fastest growing nation of evangelism is happening in mainland China. I mean, they're saying that uh, there are wow. some estimates that the population of China will have more Christians than non Christians in 40 years it, at this rate of growth. Wow. wow. I mean, something crazy like that. Now, 
who knows what the Lord's going to do. The Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do. But it's because those, like you're saying, Gordon, those believers, they've got to stick together and they mm-hmm. make, they take it seriously. This yeah. path of discipleship, discipleship is important as opposed to the three schmucks on this podcast. You know, our faith is sometimes important, but sometimes not. You know, like, ah, I kind of want to be liked more than I want the gospel to be proclaimed. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you, I wonder, this, this, this is a little bit of an off track here, but like, I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, you have this situation in China where, I mean, there, people are basically oppressed. Um, it's growing. The church is growing mm-hmm. in a, mm-hmm. in a situation like that. And here in the States where there's immense amounts of freedom and, you know, you're not being persecuted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we seem to be on the decline. And, uh, you know, certainly God is in control of all things and his will is done. But it makes me just wonder, like, there must be, there seems to be a correlation between the two. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, maybe we're too comfortable. Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe that's a dangerous thing to say. But, uh, you, maybe, me... that, maybe we're too comfortable. Yeah. It's too easy to be a believer here. Yeah, is that maybe that's off the off the wall to say? But I I love it. I I actually was just as you were talking, I was looking it up. This is from the Pew Research Center that said the church in China is growing so fast that by 2025 there will likely be more Christians in China than in America, and some experts think that by 2060. So 2060, so 40 years from now, more than half the people in China will be Christian. Wow. And they attribute it to the persecution that is going on in that country. Wow. Um, the Holy Spirit can work uh, even through persecution. And that's what we see in Acts 3 through 4. You know, Acts 1, Acts 2, we see this these great things happening. Jesus has returned to heaven. Um, the Holy Spirit's descended. And then here we are, Peter giving a great uh, sermon in response to an event, right? Um, Mm -hmm. We see the healing of the lame man um, in the beginning of Acts 3. Yeah, so I I guess the first question about that is describe, as if you were there looking on, what happened between Peter and John and the man who was lame from birth? Yeah. And how did the lame man respond? How did all the people respond? I think think that's like, I I think it's a a cool story and there's so many like layers to that story on the surface it's, it's a lame guy has to be you know asked for some alms and they heal him right that's like the quick you know version of the story right but there's so many so many things going on here i love the fact that like he is there every day begging and you know he's probably 40 or a little older than 40 and he's been begging every day to mm-hmm. for, for alms and like I love that those guys, they say, they like look at him and they're like, stop, look at us. And I think all the time, like, I mean, how many times are you in your car and you come up to a median and there's a, there's a, someone there like right at your car with like a sign and you like try to look, you do not, you try to avoid them at all costs. Like, I don't want to look at you. I don't want to lock eyes with you because I want to keep doing what I'm doing and not be inconvenienced by you. And I just love that act of like, look at us. 
like I think about all the time, like when I'm with my kids and they do something wrong, like what do you respond to them? You're like, you like you stop and you like look me in the eye to discipline them. But in this case, they're like going to tell him great news. And not only are they going to offer him something, and I, I bet you he thought because they were like, look, look at us. That he was, they were going to give him some giant gift of money. Like, we've got this unbelievable gift yeah. we're going to give you. And he's probably thinking, like, this is the jackpot. It's going to be, I can eat for a month with this money they're going to give me, probably. But they give him something obviously much greater. They say, we don't have money to give you, yeah. but we can give you the opportunity to walk in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and it's such a great story, too. Like, I think we're often like the beggar. Like, I just want, like, my I just did money for the day so I can eat right like but the Lord has so much more for us like in our walk with Jesus like there's so much more there like I think I only look at, like a day ahead and like what the Lord could do for me but like ultimately he's done so many great things for me he has so many great things for me and I, I often settle for just the day's wages you know or just the, the money for yeah. the day but he's got so much more for me so I think there's so many layers to that story and there's so many fun things to talk about with that story of course yeah yeah that is amazing it's amazing it's amazing yeah I, I immediately thought too in that situation like you know how many times am i just thinking i just need some i just need some silver and gold yeah <laughs> i just need like whatever it is i think i need in that moment and you know god has so much more in store for me wants to give me mm-hmm. so much more than just that. And really at the end of the day, what he really wants to give me is just more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Praise God. I, you know, I, I so often do not respond in the right way to that. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God to that. So, uh, we go straight from this story. Peter seizes the opportunity of this great healing event to uh, give another <laughs> sermon to, to preach about this event. Uh, you know, the first time was the pouring out of the Holy spirit and Pentecost and people starting to speak in other languages and the crowds being confused and crazed by what's going on tongues of flame and fire. And, uh, and so Peter gets up and preaches this, amazing sermon which we read next to and here this lame man gets healed as we guys as as you guys were just talking about and um peter then takes this opportunity to stand up and uh preach a very uh christ-centered sermon you know uh so when you read this sermon which is in acts 3 11 to 26 um what are some things that you know, jumped out at you. What are some things that you saw in this sermon that you were like, Oh, that's, that's such a, I want to remember that. Uh, Yep. Uh, the first thing I thought was like, no wonder (laughs) he got arrested. (laughs) I mean, it's very, I mean, it is super Christ centered, but it's also very pointed. I mean, he's, he's blaming them for Jesus's death. He calls them ignorant. He calls the leaders ignorant. Um, you know, uh, He's using strong language, you know, about murder. Um, And I feel like, you know, it's it's just very um, no holds barred. He's not pulling any punches. He's just telling the truth Mm -hmm. about Christ, who Christ is, 
who he, what he came to do and how he did it, and part of how he did it was that he had to die by their hands and be denied. Um, and, and, yeah, it's it's very strong. Um, yeah. And it's cool, too, because, you know, I mean, there's so many. He could have easily, like, God wants to heal you. You know, I mean, he could have just, there's so many different directions he could have gone there, but he just went straight to the point, which is, you know, Christ as a Savior, as the Messiah. Yeah. And he's like, why are, why are you so surprised by this? <laughs> right. I think it's, too, it's such an interesting, like, they all probably wanted to hear about the healing of the man. And they just went, he was like, all right, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the main yeah. thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ, death and resurrection. Um, and I just, I love that the end there in 19 through 21, where it just talks about repentance, um, repent and therefore be converted. Once again, like there's a powerful, like Peter is, is their altar calls in every single one of these sermons. And he's giving people yeah. an opportunity to yeah. understand what repentance is and what salvation is. And people are going from death to life. So once again, another 2000 or so people are converted. And now we've got a grand total of 5,000 Christians in a fairly quick time frame. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, Elliot, I love that text, the verse 19, repent therefore and turn back that your <clears throat> sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What a, what a great verse. I want to try and that, that term that. blotted out um, is like, you know, like you think like, yeah. like now we use, uh, we use like uh, whiteout, right? But like, for them, it was like this idea of like writing something down and just wiping it all off. For us, we'd put white out now, but it's the same idea, concept of like those things are gone now. You have true repentance. I mean, you have true salvation because your sins have been wiped clean. They've been blotted out. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. I also love that you uh, are showing your age by referencing white out. <laughs> Um, I just think that's great. Uh, you know, all the young kids, the young hip kids, whiteout was this thing that was, you know what I love though? I love the whiteout now that's got the strip where you like, you, you roll it on, not the, yeah. not the classic, like, oh yeah. Painting it. I, that, the, the painting like, takes forever to dry. Yeah. The new thing where you just roll it on and it's like, makes like a white line. Ah, oh, it's glorious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, of course, these days on your phone, you can pull up your uh, your little pencil or whatever and use your finger to blot yep. something out, you know. Yep. Um, I love it. It's so great. It's so great. Elliot still uses a lot of paper. Still uses a lot of paper. Yeah. Fax uh, machine, too. I guess, yeah. I fax things. <laughs> but the point, we know, you, we know you do. Blotting out, wiping out. That's what the, the NIV uses the phrase so that your sins may be wiped out. Um, I think they actually meant white it out, but you know, wiped out too. What? I love it. Um, If only these folks had listened, if only they had listened. sadly, I don't know if they did, uh, we get into chapter four, um, and it says the priests, well, I'm reading from the NIV, 
the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly <laughs> disturbed, greatly disturbed, uh, which to Gordon's point earlier, if you were actually paying attention even halfway, yeah, you would be greatly disturbed. I mean, <laughs> Peter calls him out like he, this is the man that you killed. You know, he's he's pointing to them directly. Um, the Sadducees being the 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 party that was in power, if you will, like the most powerful political party of of Judea at the time. You know, Jesus is calling them out directly, and they were greatly disturbed. I would be too if I was them. And I'm thinking, how many days? How many days it has it been since? Jesus has died on the cross at this point. It's been, what, a month? Um, or probably like two months. You two know, months. Pentecost uh, would have been, you know, 40 days after the his death. Right. So, yeah, yeah. you know. Get, yeah, who, give or take Who knows how long this is. I'm just thinking like Pentecost. they, I mean, certainly they were well aware that Jesus had a lot of followers and I would imagine that, to a certain extent, they would have assumed that there might be some people popping up that would try to continue the, you know, the, the ministry or the activity of Jesus. But I mean, I'm just thinking for the disciples and the apostles at this at this point. Yeah. You know, they I'm they've spent three years with the Messiah, and you know, from their vantage point, they were probably thinking the Messiah was going to be a lot different, and they were probably. I mean, we know in Scripture mm-hmm. there were times where they were questioning him, like, "When are you going to bring the kingdom?" You know, yeah. <laughs> when are we? Get, when are we going to take down Rome? Um, yeah. And he clearly had a different direction, and now they're seeing like these this the rapid nature of these these people becoming believers so quickly, yeah. so fast. This must have been so encouraging for them to see, like, yes, this is it; it's happening. God is bringing his people together, and that must have been so encouraging. So in the face of being arrested, in the face of having the temple guard, I'm sure they were probably a a little afraid or somewhat fearful, but I'm sure they were so encouraged by what was happening that they could see through that. You know, too, and like the NIV repeatedly has like exclamation points after stuff Peter says. Which I like great. Like mm-hmm. I just I'm thinking like, you know, he's just so buoyed by the Holy Spirit. To Gordon's point, buoyed by people coming into the faith. Like he is just he is just emboldened to say these things and know that, yeah, you know, God is going to take care of him. Jesus is going to take care of him in the midst of all this. And he's so excited to be telling people about Jesus right now. I just I I love that. I love the the boldness and the excitement in which he's preaching and almost the, you know, the non-caring of like, well, there's nothing you guys can do to me because, you know, my hope is found in Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, I'm having, I'm struggling over how to structure how we talk about this because there's so much in here that we could talk about. And I'm not sure how to best move into it. You know, I think the things that I that jump out at me in all of mm-hmm. Peter's sermon that is found at the, you know, really the end of three, 
moving into most of chapter four, this whole sermon that he gives in reference to what they just saw of the healing of the lame man, um, he calls out the 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 leader, the religious leaders. Um, he has different names for Jesus that are really cool, like different titles, if you will, like mm-hmm. servant of God, um, author of life, holy and righteous one. Um, and then, of course, you know, the mm. the capstone, the stone the builders rejected, uh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know, just think there's there's some great things there. And then, of course, there's the wonderful chapter four, verse 13 when they, the religious leaders, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I don't have a good question from that. I just I just think it's such a great comment, commentary on the power of being with Jesus. You know, the power of the work of the Holy Spirit being poured out, the power of those three years, as you were mentioning, Gordon, of being with Jesus and how that had affected them, how that had changed the disciples. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it it begs the question, right? I mean, other people were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. So the, you know, for me, that the the quick question for myself is, do people recognize that I walk with Jesus, right? Yeah. And I've been so captivated recently by um, the the show The Chosen um, because it does such a fantastic job of sh- visualizing the the mm-hmm. time spent, w- you know, within that group of Jesus and the Twelve, and just yeah. so much walking, so much just <laughs> kind of getting from one place to another, and spending time listening and and learning and having Jesus teach them and give them this new perspective and encouraging them in their faith and yeah. uh, just this just unbelievable amount of time that was spent for three years on the road walking. And I, it, it's been sort of convicting for me because I've been asking myself the question, like, do I, do I spend enough time with Jesus? You know, I know he's with me always, like, but really intentionally spending enough time with him um, in the word, in prayer, in service to others as I'm walking with Jesus, walking in the light as John encourages everyone to do, walk yeah. walk in the light, walk with Jesus. There was so much investment in that. And yeah. they, because of that, they were recognized as people who followed Jesus, people who had been with Jesus. Um, so I, I, for me, I, just, I take that as just sort of a, mm, a, an encouragement and a conviction, you know, uh, from the word of God. I I think the question, the diagnostic question of uh, do our neighbors, our coworkers, the people around us, do they know that we are Christians? I think that is an excellent question to ask almost on a daily basis. Uh, it's, it's a great point, Gordon. Do they know that we're Christians just by the way we behave, by the words that we say, by the the love that we have, the faith, the hope that we have, it's convicting. It's convicting. Yeah. I mean, our, our brothers and sisters in China, yes, they are known because they're either thrown in jail or they see each other in their secret um, Bible study gatherings that they have mm-hmm. to do in secret. Um, here, 
uh, sure, you're a Christian, I guess. I think you go to a church, yeah. uh, maybe, sometimes, when yeah. it's convenient. Um, I see you leaving your house every Sunday. I assume you yeah. go to church somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's hard. Yeah, there, and there, there's a church on every corner, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, not in China. I, and I think it's worth, I think it's worth thinking about in our own house. Like, um, you know, Elliot and I, we have young ones in our house. <laughs> Gordon, your young ones are beyond, but, uh, <laughs> the, you know, it still applies. Do mm-hmm. the ones that live in our house to the ones that know us the most do, uh, is our conversation gospel saturated? Like, do we talk about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Is it like, if I, if you ask my kids, does your dad talk about Jesus sometimes? Um, I don't <laughs> know what they would say. I think I think they would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But is it important? Is it central? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what is this path of discipleship? I am a little bit going off topic, but um, but I keep thinking about that what you were talking about, the, you know, these unschooled ordinary men had been with Jesus and it had transformed them. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like for us? Yeah. Um, and is it worth, you know, is it worth being persecuted for? Yeah. If, you know, another good question. If, if we're not being persecuted, maybe that's because we're um, not proclaiming the gospel by, in our words and actions. Hey, I want to switch. Mm-hmm. This is all great stuff, but I want to switch over. I wanted to just talk about the switch it. The guys, the Sadducees, that got together and they like threw them in jail, and they're trying to figure out what do we do with these guys. And they let them go, of course, after a day in jail or whatever. But like, I would just love to hear y'all's thoughts on on, on that whole thing. Like, why do you think they were compelled to let them go? Well, they, they came to that, um, sort of that weird agreement, like we'll let you go, but don't talk about him anymore. And even though they didn't yeah, agree so why, to so, it, why, they still, okay, you come up with the, about? here's the game plan. We're going to let you go. If you stop talking about Jesus and they say, we're not going to stop talking about Jesus and then they still let them go. Like, I would love to hear <laughs> why did they let them go? Cause they didn't, they did not come to an agreement. I mean, I think some of it was probably a strategic move on their part. Like, I mean, if they had punished them, and who knows what that would have looked like, uh, thrown them in jail for a longer period of time, like, they could have easily become martyrs again. Like, I'm thinking, like, just politically in their minds, they probably are thinking, okay, uh, we we killed Jesus, and now this is happening. If we do this Mm -hmm. to these guys... um, we like these people because it says they found no way to punish them because mm. the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. So there was a strategic move there. I think like if we put them, if we if we really punish them, we might have a bigger problem on our hands. Yeah. So it might be easier just to let them go. But I think even in their little strategic political move here, they were recognizing that 
uh, the glory, like people were glorifying God over this. That there was, yeah. there was something major going on here, um, yeah. in a way that had not occurred in the past, uh, yeah. re- recent past, right? Um, uh, God was getting glory in this yeah. thing, and they could not deny that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's a, a PR move on the part of the Sanhedrin that they couldn't they couldn't do anything else and the crowd was behind Peter and John and the disciples and they they weren't you know the Pharisees are true believers like they're they're folks that actually do believe in God and they're deluded in many ways but they were true believers the Sadducees are the political party they don't care they just they just want power they love power and the Sanhedrin is the central center of power and they believe that they got to control their power. And then they see these two guys get up and heal a lame man and start proclaiming that their center of power, the Sanhedrin's power actually is the ones that destroyed Jesus who they are now proclaiming. They see that as a threat, Uh, you know, they just see that as a, like a blatant threat to their power. And so they're like, we got to get rid of you. But the people are on the side of the disciples. The people are on the side of this Jesus person, and so uh, I, I'm I'm with you, Gordon. It's it was a it was a a strategic move. But isn't that interesting any, to say? Wow. You guys have both said that um, so. the crowd was behind Peter and this Christian movement within 70 days earlier they were they were chanting for Jesus to be murdered and for Barabbas to be you know given a give, given freedom right. isn't that interesting right. that in such a quick period of time um the gospel has changed a whole community yeah now that's a that's a super great point Elliot because this is mm-hmm the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what this book is. And uh, Jesus himself even said, uh, I need to go so that I will send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is, and at the time was, a human being walking on earth. How powerful that is. And we just spent a long time talking about unschooled ordinary men who had been with Jesus and the power that did. But Elliot, you bring an excellent point. The Holy Spirit, by Jesus going to sit at the right hand of God the Father, the body mm-hmm. moved to heaven, the throne room of heaven. The Holy Spirit now being poured out on the people of God, the efficacy of that power is even mm-hmm. stronger, if you will, because the Spirit is moving in these 5,000. You know, is it? Is it a total of 5,000 people at this point, or is it an additional 5,000 sure. people? We don't really know, but you know, we're talking thousands of people, um, that, you know, I think I'm, I'm inferring here. I think that that wouldn't have happened if Jesus well, that, had that, stayed in bodily. Form yeah. It was interesting. I read something about the, the lame man in that kind of that context of like, this guy has been sitting at this gate for years and he's 40 or 40 plus and he's been sitting there. Jesus probably walked by him on multiple occasions and never healed him. I'm sure he asked. And that more glory was got or gotten 
because Jesus from heaven gave the power to Peter to heal this man and the Holy Spirit worked and that obviously more glory was gotten because of that. So it was interesting. I just thought it was an interesting point. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's wonderful. Yeah. I just listening to both of the, the two things you both just said, I, I'm just sort of amazed at, I mean, you do not stop the King. Like, he, he is on a mission, and um, when he when he was in the garden and he said, you know, not my will, but your will be done, mm-hmm. um, this is what he was talking about, your will be done. Like, yeah. releasing the Holy Spirit, um, releasing the, 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 the power of God, s- saving thousands of people like this so quickly, taking on <laughs> the politicians again, um, and, t- you know, healing the lame like you said um elliot like jesus probably walked by this guy so many times but god's timing is so perfect um that you know that was that was not that guy's time to be healed and Mm -hmm. um, he did he healed that guy with a purpose um and it it brought another two thousand people um to salvation uh when they saw that happened and um I'm really just amazed. I mean, just the power of God, you cannot, it can't be stopped. It can't be stopped no matter what. I mean, all those believers in China who are suffering under persecution right now, um, and yet the gospel is growing because, like, God's Mm. power is on the move in China, Mm. and people are are getting saved. Um, People are being brought, brought to salvation. It's it's amazing to think. Um, And should be com- convicting to us here in the States. Um. Amen. Amen. I, I think we're, we're, we're coming to the end of our time. Uh, the, the last little section that we were going to look at is um, just, they leave there and verse 23 on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, and then the prayer, Sovereign Lord, and and it goes on. Um, you know, I just think it's just a great thing to remember that uh, they went from something as powerful as this, uh, as, uh, as conflict-ridden. I mean, <laughs> if I was them, I would be a, a, an anxious mess, like, oh, I just got out of prison, I saw something glorious, but I also almost died. I, you know, all these different emotions. And they went back to their people and they prayed. And I think it's important, to, you know, their mm-hmm. prayer begins with an acknowledgement that God is in control. Like, uh, you know, God's sovereign over this whole thing, uh, even over the raging nations and the plotting people. Um, and after they prayed, the place where they'd been meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Uh, this isn't a second filling. This is just uh, a continual um, great apostolic movement of the Holy Spirit being poured out on his people. Like this is a special moment in time that uh, w- will never be repeated again. You know, this is a special apostolic moment, and the Holy Spirit's being poured out mm. in a special way. And um, what a great thing! What a mm-hmm. great thing! Mm-hmm. 
Um, Sometimes the floor shakes, you know, at the church when we're worshiping because <laughs> there's people downstairs in the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> playing basketball, and you're like, whoa, what's happening? Yeah. Uh, actually, the floor shakes at our church because it's actually a suspended floor. Um, it it is uh, it is. I'm not. I'm not going to get into. Or I I don't know the specifics behind the structural engineering of the floor, but it's suspended, and so if there's only a few people in there, it actually shakes just from you walking on it. Oh wow! Um, the more people in there, it's actually more secure because it's. Uh, there's no shaking at all. Uh, huh. But when it's shaking, uh, yeah, basketball, but also because of us. Yeah. Um, now <laughs> you can be nervous about just standing <laughs> right. yeah. Um Well, you know, I think we should probably end with um, a final question of what truth from this passage equips you to face resistance, um, you know, I don't know if we can say persecution, um, or are there, you know, I think we should end in prayer where we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in other places and maybe even in America somewhere. Yeah. What truth from this passage equips you as you face resistance of some kind to our faith? Not to fear, not to be afraid, you know, of what your neighbor might say, oh, those people are Christians or your coworker or you know, whatever it might be, like, you know, God's timing is perfect. He has a mission. It will be accomplished. And that's final. He's the creator of all things. And he, he has one thing in mind and that's the salvation of the world. And to get yeah. glory from that, it's kind of freeing to, to feel like, yeah, yeah, actually God, that's going to take care of this, whatever the case might be. Um, if I, if I come up against some kind of persecution, not saying it's going to be easy, yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I think, um, I think just, I mean, what Gordon already said was that he's not going to be stopped. Like our, our King is, is good and glorious and, and is undefeated. <laughs> so, and he won't be defeated. So, you know, I, I love the idea undefeated. that, that even when things feel maybe, um, like we're becoming Europe, <laughs> Like Christianity's becoming more deadened here in the United States, that that's really not. I mean, in some ways it's true, but in some ways, ultimately, God's got a purpose and He's moving, and and um, we may not see it, um, but ultimately, just like that guy didn't see it at all when they said, "Look at us," he thought, "I'm going to get a day's, you know, a day's worth of food or whatever it is." He got so much more, right? And so I, I just think. Um, yeah, I just think as we, as, as, as Christians, we need to be, um, buoyed by that and excited by the fact that the Lord is good and he's gracious and he's merciful and he's, he's going to win and already has one. And we should be bold in our proclamation of the gospel. Kind of like Gordon already said, um, that's just thinking through those things. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm in agreement with both of you, uh, not fearing, being more bold, I think the one thing reading this text that I'm struck on is the uh, use of the mm -hmm. means of grace, especially of prayer and of being together with people, um, how powerful that is. You know, the um, 
obviously being open to the work of God uh, in some way and not being fearful or uh, using those works of God, but also, um, you know, praying, praying more. Like mm. I, I just need to acknowledge God both in, in praying for opportunities to share, but also in uh, praising God when things do happen uh, and being able to go to him in prayer uh, with things. Um, Amen. Is uh, well, I just think that's what God's pressing on my heart today. So, well, we Amen. should uh, we should conclude. It's Gordon, with we're prayer. calling you up to the majors uh, today. Whose turn is it to pray? Yes. All right, yes, love it, Lord Jesus. Uh, I'm so grateful and thankful for your encouragement from your Word today. That uh, you are powerful. You are in mm-hmm. control of all things. That um, you are on a mission, um, and you are bringing um, ordinary people like us, Mm -hmm. into that mission and calling us to walk with you, to be recognized by that. Uh, Not that we're necessarily out having to preach sermons on the street or anything, but that just our our walk with you um, Mm -hmm. will be recognized by other people because it changes. It changes everything. The gospel changes everything. It's clearly changing everything for our brothers and sisters in China, too, and we do pray for them and um, all our other brothers and sisters who are under some form of persecution where they live uh, because they follow you as their Lord and as their Savior, as their King, as their ruler. Um, And we just pray that you would encourage them today and tomorrow and for as long as it takes to be encouraged by um, the fact that you are with them, that you are with them always, and that uh, you care for them, that you will see them through it, mm. and that uh, you will accomplish your goal. And um, you are bringing ordinary. I'm just, I'm just blown away by the fact that you are bringing ordinary people um, into that mission. And um, so thankful for that today, Jesus. Thank you so Amen. much for today, and thank you for your word. And we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the homework for next episode is to read Acts 4.32 through 6.7, chapter 6, verse 7, which is, um, which is the, the, the moment when um, the church is spread out after the, the uh, martyrdom of Stephen. Mm. Um, so uh, it's going to be a great one. So. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for <laughs> letting me be back in the saddle. You're always welcome, Gordon. You're always now welcome. Now get off. And let's let let's let's, yeah. let's uh, let Sarah it. back on. Sarah will be back uh, next week. It's good to see you, Gordon. All right, guys. <laughs>